The following program contains scenes and language of a frank and explicit nature. Discretion is advised. Oh, Heidi, it's good to... So you're not Heidi. I'm not Heidi. Whoa. You're not Shannon. I'm not Shannon. <laughs> Hi, Gina. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, we have both uh, seemingly lost our co-host this I know. week. But um, it Welcome actually worked out. Welcome to 50 States of Reform Radio. Yay. All right. Yay. <laughs> Here we are. This is the way it should be. This feels better. Right? kind of like it. And Shannon and Heidi you have their own. But could you imagine the two of them together? Nothing would get done. Oh my God. Nothing would get done. I think that's Let's do a quick impression of how, how the show would be. Just like this. Can I say something? Uh, no. Uh, conspiracy bullshit. <laughs> um, nothing's real, but everything is real. Um, Gina. <laughs> that would be funny. We should actually, we should actually have them do a show together. Oh my God. What if it's better than what we do though? What if it's better? Let's not, let's not, I don't want to risk it. It's not going to be better. It's just going to be different, but it's going to be good. What if it's better though? What if they're like, they become the new Rogan? Oh my God. Heidi and Shannon. Well then, you know what? We're going to take credit for it because we thought of it. So we're going to, we're going to, yeah, Deal. we're going to get something out of it. Um, we are here again today. This is, uh, actually end up kind of being better. That it was just you and I. Yeah. Because this is part two. Of uh, our collaboration with the Lego Murders yes. uh, interviews with the family. Yeah. Which, thank you again for putting that together. Yes, of course. Um, we just spoke to... The whole family. The entire family, pretty yeah. much. Four sisters um, and mom. Um, and it was, uh, it was incredible. Um, you guys are about to see everything. But um, I think if we had Heidi and Shannon here, there may have been too many cooks. I mean, there was a lot of people mm -hmm. involved. Mm-hmm. But it was really great. Got some amazing insight. Um, before we show people the video, any takeaways from you? Like anything that stuck with you? It was or very emotional. It was, wasn't it? It was really emotional. Because um, we spoke to Shirley, who, and she's the one who she found her mother yeah. dead. Yeah, and she, um, she's just, I mean, I've only met her for <laughs> an hour, but she's just like the coolest lady. <laughs> She like, really is. And the the love that that family has for each other, it's just, it, it comes through the computer screen. Like, you can feel yeah. the connection um, that they have with each other. Yep. And I don't, I don't know what that's like, because, again, I don't have siblings, but the closeness that those four sisters have, and I'm sure, obviously, after you guys see this and watch this, you're, you'll understand, um... But this, I feel like, has even brought sure. them closer. Yeah, the uh, I have um, two brothers and a sister, um, different parents. But I, I have, I came from a from a family with siblings, and there's pros and cons to uh, to all of it. But they exemplify the pros. Oh, a for lot. sure. Um, for I'm, sure. I'm grateful that they all have each other. But uh, yeah, it was. Uh, everyone was pretty open, as you guys will see. Um, it's interesting to hear all the different takes on different things and how they all remember. Or they're just not that they remember it differently, but where they were in their life when this all happened and what they were doing, they can tell you like exactly. Yeah. Um, You'll hear like one of the sisters could tell you like to the second what was happening. Yeah. And some of them were married, some were in high school. High school. I yeah. mean, so it's you, you, which are, you get completely different experiences, which is oh, what, yeah. what I found really interesting. Can't imagine going through that in high school. Absolutely not. 
I can imagine going through a period. One of them just had a baby. Yep, a one month old, and that's another another one may have had like an eight month old or something. Yeah, it was it was really interesting. Um, But they're a great family, though. Nevertheless, like this is, they're they're really yep awesome family, and we're gonna um, spend Christmas with them. (laughs) We all bonded very well. Yeah, we we bonded a lot with them. Um, And yeah, any time to join the Patreon, it would be now. (laughs) Well, it's almost say. I'm just gonna say say that. Um, well, we should do more of these collaborations. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. And, sure. uh, we can start squeezing out our co-hosts and just make this our own show, which is, yeah. Yeah. You know, because they seem to be really busy. I mean, Heidi works a lot. Shannon works two jobs. Yeah. I don't do shit. So I don't either. I'm pretty, I'm pretty open. Yeah. Cool. Well, Gina, yeah. um, should we get to it? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Please enjoy uh, part two of our Lego murder interviews with and thank you, Jenna. Radio I want to say, 56. excuse me, I was talking. I wanted to excuse say thank me, you I was, to Jenna. I, oh, God. Thank you, Jenna. <laughs> <laughs> Jenna, it's, it's almost like this. Heidi's in the room right now. <laughs> That's what I felt like. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you, Jenna. Jenna is one of our one of our favorite longtime friends and listeners, and she's the one that kind of put this whole thing together. Yes, she made um, this possible. Oh. Give me that little Lego thing. Oh, that's a I'm, yeah. Am I no, pick it up. Pick it up. Break it. Jenna just gave me this. If you guys can see it, but little. Uh, oh my god, I love it. Lego face, Lego leather face, which I'm pretty stoked about. So we have I the can't best. Imagine li- putting this together. We have the best listeners. It took me three hours. Um, so thank you. Enjoy this collaboration with Fifty States of Madness and Rare Form Radio. And without further ado, unless you want to interrupt again. Uh, no, I'm done. Great. Here is part two of the Lego murder interviews. Okay. Welcome back to 50 States of Madness and Rare Form Radio. Part two of our collab on the Lego murder. We were joined last time by Melanie. And now we are joined by the entire family. We have four sisters and mom. So welcome. Yeah, we, we have Rhonda here, Melanie, Jenna, and, and Shirley. So thank you guys yeah, very so much for being here. Thank you very here. much for being here. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. So we're going to go ahead and um, we're going to start with Rhonda. And Rhonda's going to tell us her, I guess, version, or um, I guess all of you guys kind of saw this differently. So just kind of your experience yeah. around the time of, of, uh, of, of the, of the murder, I guess. And we'll kind of just ask a few questions and just want to know kind of your, your mindset of where you're at when it happened, um, how you found out and that kind of thing. Okay. So I was, um, it was February of 1991 and I had just graduated from college, but my husband was finishing his last semester. Um, my firstborn son was, uh, Gosh, he was probably about eight months old, seven months old. And I was waitressing at the time. So I was waitressing. I was working at a restaurant. um, And it was the evening. It was actually the evening after she was murdered. And um, I was waitressing and the phone rang and somebody grabbed me. And, you know, this was in the days of the phones with the long phone cords, right? And they're attached to the walls. And um, it was Melanie. And Melanie said, Rhonda, have you heard? And I said, what? And she said, have you heard? And I said, I haven't heard anything. I said, what are you talking about? And I'm in the middle of a shift, right? A dinner shift in a restaurant. 
And I pulled back into um, the back of the kitchen with that long cord and I had it up against my ear. And Melanie's the one that shared with me. She says, um, mom found grandma dead. She's been murdered. It's a homicide. And it was very surreal because I was standing with my ear to the phone in the back of the kitchen. And I looked up over, um, you know, where all the chefs were working and the news was broadcasting the murder right there on the TV. And I could see my mother, you know, sobbing and crying and it was completely surreal. Um, it was shocking. Uh, I, I can't say that I felt much then, um, other than shock and disbelief and having my sweet sister on the phone in tears. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I was 45 minutes away. School was 45 minutes away. So, you know, the, the sisters and the family that was in Salt Lake, they'd been processing this, um, and knew about it much earlier than I did. I was a little bit further away and was in Virginia, but, um, it was very surreal seeing the actual image of the news, um, as I was hearing about it from my sister. I can that's imagine. how I heard about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go ahead. That that's how I heard about it. Um, it was shocking. I I finished out my shift really quickly, um, as quickly as I could, and a friend of mine came and picked me up and brought me home. Um, did you did you tell son. did you tell the people that you worked with what had just happened, or did you kind of um, just kind of plow through? What a great question! I told them immediately. Um, as a matter of fact, I was on the phone holding the phone. And I said in the back of the the kitchen, I said, stop, stop, right, to everyone. And I pointed to the TV and I said, that's my grandma. Oh, wow. And everybody looked up and paused and took it in and turned up the, you know, turned up the the volume. And um, just really Mm -hmm. treated me with a tremendous amount of care for the next half hour until I could get shuffled out of the restaurant. That's kind. Wow. Yeah. I've, uh, I don't know if you've, I've been the bearer of bad news before and, and Melanie, I'm sure that must've been a, a, yeah. a horrible phone call to make. Yes. Um, are you the one that kind of made the rounds to everybody, Melanie? Um, interesting question. Um, just because I actually don't recall. Um, oh, wow. I was in such a state of shock yeah. at the time. Um, and I believe that the reason I was reaching out to Rhonda was looking to connect with someone who could talk to me or process with me through that shock. Right. So, yes. Um, so all the other sisters knew because you guys were all in Utah at that time. No. No. So you guys all found out at different times. Mm -hmm. Let's go to Anne then. Uh, Anne, what was your experience, um, on that day? I was in Virginia and I had just had a baby and he was, he was just, just a month old, just barely a month old. And my experience, I had, I had just got my pictures back and I had just announcements out and I had talked to my grandmother and I had called her and she had actually called me and let me know she had got the announcement and talked to me and told me what a beautiful baby he was. And she actually had the, she had the announcement sitting on the table or I actually, no, she didn't tell me. My mom told me, my mom told me that she got, she got the announcement and I had just sent it to her. And 
that's what I makes me happy is that um I remember getting the call and it was my mom and my mom called me and she called me after she found her. I don't know how long it had been, but she called me that day and she said, she called me and she wanted me to know that she had gotten the announcement and the announcement was on the table that I had sent uh, my son being born. And at least in my heart, she saw Tanner, her grandson, her her great grandson, I guess. Her grand- yeah, great. Yeah, that's great, right. Uh, great grandson, yeah. yeah. <laughs> her great grandson, and, and uh, she got to see him, and that made me feel happy because it's, it's a very comforting feeling. But, yeah, she was excited for me. She was she was really excited because we used to go there all the time. My, my husband myself over to her house and visit her and when we were getting ready and packing up and she came to his graduation from medical school and my graduation from pharmacy school and we drove all the way across the United States to um, Virginia for his residency and and we used to call all the time but uh, I got the phone call and actually I mean we used to go out to eat all the time and keep her informed everything that was going on and and uh, I remember saying to my mom, I mean, my mom would go by her house all the time coming home from work. She would yeah. always by my stop by grandma's house on the way home from work before she'd come home for to get dinner for all of the kids or the family at home. She had kids at home and I'm the oldest and she'd <clears throat> go home to the rest of the kids at home. And she'd stop there to check on her mom because grandpa had passed away and uh She's, I said, you know, why didn't you stop by last night? How She said that she had passed away the night before. And she said she had this feeling. She, she actually was about ready to, to, weren't you ready, mom, to pull onto the street? Feeling needed to get home. She just had to get home and she would stop by in the morning first thing. So, yeah. Um, but... Uh, I just, when she called me and she, I just remember, mom, you kind of seemed calm at the moment. Why? And I just remember thinking, how do you feel? How how do you seem so calm? I was so upset. I, I, I called Jed at the hospital and I just, I was so upset and I just hugged down her to me. And I just, I was just so glad that she got to see that, that, that announcement on the table and I I just Jed calmed me down and he said we'll get you a ticket right now you go home right now be with your family be with your sisters and be with your that must have been a rough flight I would imagine it was yeah it was hard but I remember I don't know I think it was the next day or I mean he we got I came home immediately it's got to be so comforting and baby Right. Um, I was going to say it must have been so comforting in that time to have all of you sisters so, you know, that you guys have such a close relationship and are able to lean on each other. And I'm sure at some point when some of you have bad days, then some of you are actually strong and, you know, and can can help out in that way because that's I have no siblings. And so just to see the bond that you guys have is like really amazing. 
Yeah. Um, Very obvious. Yeah. We were really, really close with with my grandmother. All of us. She did a lot for us. She was really involved with our education and everything. She was at all of our our graduations. Um, she was a very involved grandmother. Yeah, we we learned in our first talk with with Melanie. Just uh, you know, we we've watched some of the shows and we we can do so much reading about her. But until we talked to you guys, um, we we learned really the kind of person that she that she yeah. was and it it really does sound like she was a wonderful woman so yeah um that's another thing i want to make sure that we're able to do is like you know talk about the great parts you know it's not just all the bad stuff but i, I want to give you guys time to remember her fondly as well for sure yeah um so uh, go ahead very careful you know so this is really unexpected yep. um really yeah, unexpected. Was cautious very cautious, very, very careful, very, this really, really unexpected. Sure. It was All very right. careful. <laughs> yep. Um, Jana, um, can we ask you, like, what was, um, same kind of question, like your experience, <laughs> how you found out what you were up to and, and just kind of the overall feeling of the day? Sure. Um, I remember it was a Saturday. I was still living at home. I was a senior in high school. And so, uh, Steven and I were the two that were still at home and, uh, that's your brother, I assume. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I had, uh, worked that morning. I worked up at snowbird and I came home and from work that uh, later afternoon and the house was empty and it just wasn't ever empty. And so I kind of, I knew something was up cause I, I just, it was just, a, it was just a different feel, but I went to my second job that night, I was uh, working at a movie theater as well. And I went to work and um, I'd only been in there, been there for, uh, you know, maybe an hour or so. And mom called. Um, so I got the phone call from my mom and um, I was right up front by the window where everyone was coming in. And uh, her first words to me was grandma was murdered. And um I, <laughs> I just uh, was shocked. <laughs> I uh, was, uh, you know, I said, what? And she said, grandma's been murdered. And um, I was actually working maybe two blocks from the home, grandmother's home. Um, and I just hit the floor. Mm. So people wouldn't see me, you know, and I just listened to my mom and she said, you know, I found her this afternoon and mom talked a little bit about the day. Um, she told me she'd gone that afternoon and that she was sorry she was late in calling that the police hadn't let her use her phone or contact anyone. Um, and, uh, so, you know, she uh, asked me to get a hold of my cousin, Doug, because, um, her, her brother, um, hadn't been able to get in touch with him yet. Um, I think he was still driving back from Cedar city, if I'm correct. And uh, Doug and I were best friends, my cousin, um, another grandchild. Um, so um, I, I told her I would, and they took me upstairs. And <laughs> once I could, uh, I just, I um, they I had someone walk me out uh, to the car because uh, I was just, I didn't feel safe. I was right there, very close. Um, so many questions, of course. It's so fresh and like, what, you don't know yeah. who it was. So, yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, I, 
I left a message with my boyfriend at the time who later became my husband. Um, and I think I left a terrible message, (laughs) um, but, uh, you know, to get in touch with me or to find me, um, that, uh, I, I actually got mother that my grandmother had been killed. And so she went and found him. Um, and I went to my cousin's. Um, I, I went to where I knew my cousin would be and, uh, told him and, um, yeah. And I, we, I don't remember much from there. I just remember the, our friends were there and we were just in shock and, um, and yeah. And then I, I was, <laughs> I went home, I, I, I finally went home and, you know, my boyfriend at the time came in and just stayed with me. Um, and I was, I think I, was just scared. I was really scared and shocked. Um, and my mom, um, that night, uh, yeah, those are more my memories of seeing my mom come home or when I got home and, and greeting my mom. Um, she was, um, kind of, she was a zombie, you know, I felt so bad because she was just, so traumatized of course and 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 found and she kind of you know described a little bit about what she found and what happened in the day and um so you know my initial experiences really were just fear and wanting to uh take care of my mom um and uh you know afterwards i couldn't sleep for months and I was always kind of a stinker with school. I, I liked to skip school a lot. <laughs> but Me, I, too. Me too. Me <laughs> too. <laughs> I couldn't I sleep. And uh, I would uh, stay up at night because I was just so afraid of the dark and being alone. Yeah. And I would go to um, school and much like my normal, but a little bit more extreme, <laughs> I would get to school and I would cross the road to my friend's house and I would sleep during the daylight. Wow. Were, wow. were, were you the only one in high school at the time? No, my brother was as well. He was a okay. senior. I want to ask you like, um, going back to school, cause you said this happened on a Saturday. So I imagine by, by Monday, people in the town, everyone knows what was, how did school change for you? How did it feel going back to school, knowing that the people knew what had happened? Um, yeah. And I had a, another cousin, Sarah, who was at the school at the same time. And so it was very well known. Um, some teachers, um, gave me some card, gave me cards and things, but it was the friend's or the people who didn't know me well, you know, it was just very hush hush. Like you would hear the whispers. That's what I'm wondering yeah. if, if people kind of like, kind of mm-hmm. they back away they or if they, they backed away. Yeah. They backed away. Um, and, um, until, you know, I, but I, and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't talk about it, <laughs> you know, um, what do you say? <laughs> right, right. I think uh, nowadays too, like in in high schools, I work at a high school, and I think nowadays they have so many services that that help with stuff like that that are offered. They do. Um, they do. I work in a middle yeah. school. Yeah, school. and uh, and back then, I don't know if any of that was offered. Yeah, no, um, it was not. But um, I, 
you know, I, I do know that the counselor was aware and kind of helped me through that last little bit, make up the credit from one of the, I was like one credit short, um, the credit that I needed so that I could graduate on time because, you know, I, 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 I by that time was going to school more regularly, <laughs> um, but, you know, so I, they, I would say the faculty was very caring and kind, um, and um very lenient um but the the friends and the students um and even people who didn't know me you could always hear you know um the talk behind you walking down and it's hard to know sometimes what to say yeah yeah no I agree I mean I think we've all been through different trauma since and (laughs) understand that um you don't know what to say yeah yeah, that's interesting. Um, um, Shirley, I, I, we want to talk to you as well, and I'm not going to ask you to recount anything, but I just kind of want to know from you, first of all, the immediate aftermath, like what what was that experience like for you? I'm sure it was a haze, but who was your first call? What is the experience with the, with the, with the police and just kind of your day after you found her? <laughs> well, my... First of all, we, we were at the home for a long time and I, I was isolated. It's really hard to talk about after all these years. Like, sorry. Of course. Um, Take your time, please. And um, when they finally, and it was cold, I remember it was cold and I was out on the road. The neighbor came by and, and, and gave me a hug and that picture ended up being in the paper <laughs> and how much that meant to me just to have somebody to hug. And then the, finally, after what seemed like a, an eternity, but police took me over to the police station, which wasn't far away, and told me I could call anybody I wanted to and let them know. And this is kind of emotional, too. So the first person I called was my husband. And actually, that day, we had been working on a project at work, and I um, was going back into work. But I hadn't seen my mom. And the night before, um, the night that she was killed, I went a different way home from work and picked up a pizza for her and for our family. And I just had the strongest feeling to just, I was i was within two blocks of her home going a different way because it was not the way that I would normally drive with a pizza. And I had the feeling to, to just go home and take care of my family and see my mom in the morning. And there were three streets that I could pass to turn left to go up to her home. The first one I didn't pass, and I thought, this is crazy. I've got this pizza here. No, just go home, take care of your kids, see your mom in the morning. Did the same thing with the third street. Then I was on my way home, and I thought, well, I'm going home. I'll see my mom in the morning. And I had called my mother every single night. Um, She was a widow, and every night I called her. And the night before, I had called her, and she said to me, she said, Shirley, what would you do if you called and I didn't answer my phone? And oh, I said, wow. and that's my last ta- conversation with her. I said, mom, I get in the car and come over and see what's going on. Well, she didn't answer her phone. And I had worked literally yeah. almost the whole night on a project that we had a, a, a manual that had to be out, had to be shipped off that day, the next day when I was going into work. And, uh, I called her and she didn't answer. And I thought, 
and I was dead tired. And I thought, oh, she's probably gone to a movie or something with a neighbor. We didn't have the cell phones at the, at the time. And I just talked myself into feeling like she was out with the neighbors and I would see her in the morning and I went to bed. And I've always, well, actually I'm grateful that I went to bed and didn't, didn't find my mother alone at night in the middle of the night. Yeah. Yep. Because uh, I found her the next morning. I got up and went on my way to work and they took me to the police station to make my phone call. And um, <laughs> this was a, a, ways, a while after I was supposed to have gone to work or been at work. And I called my husband and he was a little bit upset because he didn't know where I was and he had tried to reach me. And I remember it probably wasn't as bad as I thought, but he said, he said, Shirley, where are you? <laughs> and, <laughs> and he was mad. <laughs> and, uh, and you're like, I have a really good reason, reason. by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I do. And I told him when I'm sure he felt horrible, he came right over. But uh, I made that phone call and it was really hard. And I didn't, call, I didn't call. Kids all got called later. I didn't call anybody else. And they said, are you, are you finished? Are you going to call anyone else? I said, no. Yep. So I waited until that afternoon to call. My brother, he found out because he was driving home from Cedar City from uh, you know, a four or five hour drive. And he heard it on the news. They didn't give my mother's name, but they gave our address. Mm. And so he pulled off the road and he, he was traumatized. It was, it was just tough for all of us, but, uh, but uh, I didn't, I didn't call. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I called them as soon as I could. I think they forgive you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it was, it was, it was very traumatic. It was very traumatic. Um, I, I'm, I'm, and I I'm... really think I was blessed to not stop at her home. That's exactly what I, I was about to say. Exactly what I was is thinking. Like, uh, what would have I, happened? I, I, yeah, yeah, I would have. That that would have probably done me in. I I don't think I could have handled that. There was, I mean, also, you if you had gone, who knows at what time you would have gone, but it could have put you in danger oh, as well. So it's mm -hmm. well, it I really figured. I I do figure that the time that I was driving home is the time that it happened. Yeah, that that would have been. I, I'm just about positive, and so I always thought. For, for years, I thought, if only, if only, if only I'd have gone there, I could have stopped it. But with the intensity and, and the violence and, and the type of a crime it was, I would have been killed too. And, yeah, and I know I would have. That's what I, I really wanted to point out is that I hope you don't have any guilt about that because that was, yeah. Not whatever anymore, was inside but, of you, it was protecting you. That was the whole thing. But I often, when other people go through things and they say, if only... I, I think about that and try to give some comfort there because if only didn't happen yeah. and uh, it wouldn't have, it would have made everything a lot different Absolutely. in my life. Yeah. But uh, there were a couple of things that gave me comfort afterwards, but it, it took a long time to feel safe, a long time to feel safe. Yeah. That's the aftermath is just, you know, I can't imagine all of you, you know, like having to go to school, having to go to work, just being out things that in our, your day to day life that a lot of us just take for granted. And for and, people listening, remember, like this guy wasn't caught for what, you said 23 years later. Yeah, 23. So you, you guys are all going about your life. And uh, I imagine constantly wondering, like, is he is he here? Is he dead? Is he in the next town over? I mean, it's a horrible like 
one of my best friends, he's a, he's a, a child of a murdered mother as well. And um, he wasn't caught. The killer wasn't caught for, I think, 30 years or something ah, like yeah, that. Yeah. And, um, and this guy was a, he's a famous guy. So he's out in, in public in the world all the time, always wondering, where is this guy? Is he going to find me? You know, and uh, I imagine that was very hard for all of you guys, just to, the, the constant wondering and frustration of, you know, not knowing. Has and to and the fact that you lose trust you lose trust in, in, well, your life changes in going out of a grocery store. If I have to park across the way, I wouldn't park across the way. I either parked up close or I didn't. And, and, and going home at night from work, just a short ways to my car and not feeling safe and being afraid and those kinds of things. And that was with me. Well, hey, it still is with me. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I imagine you lose a lot of trust in I, society a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah, but it, it's kind of hard to, to think back about it. I mean, I wanted a light on our driveway that, a motion light, and my husband was going to fix it. We got one and everything, but he didn't put it in, didn't put it in, didn't put it in. And I did not feel safe going into my own home when I would park in the driveway. I mean, and that's so scary. To not and, feel safe in your own home. Right. And and the thing is, is if you haven't been through it, I don't think you understand. No, absolutely not. I don't think you understand because it's very, very real and the fear. But um, I do remember a couple of things that gave me comfort. What were those things? Yeah. At my mother's funeral, uh, one of the speakers told the family, he said, the Lord didn't take her but he received her. Mm. And that has just, had, that calmed me down a lot. He received her. And then um, I remember talking to another friend who I admired more than anything in the world. And I told her, I said, one of the things I fear or that I want to know is that this person will be punished for what he's done. I, you know, I, I <laughs> it was, it was like, normally I'm not that way, <laughs> but I, I was wishing anything bad that could happen to him was, would happen to him and that he was going to be punished. And I said, I just hope that he sealed his fate. And she said to me and her exact words, and they still ring in my ears are, Oh, surely she said, um, she said, my greatest fear is that the Lord will be just. And that gave me a lot of comfort too. So those mm. two things. I remember hearing in the, in one of the, I'm not sure what show it was. It was one of them that we had watched. Um, I think it was your brother oh. that spoke and said that he, Very that he, for, that he forgave him and that you had, that you had a problem with that. And I think that that's, um, on our podcast that that myself and my friend do we do a lot of true crime stuff and we find that um in a lot of a lot of cases that we research that a lot of these people forgive and some are just on the complete opposite side something they can never do and i feel like people that that go through that and they're they're forgiving for themselves that's that's so, the thing so, yeah that it's more for them um, so they don't deal with all of that and, and have to hold that inside of them. 
I always feel like forgiveness is for the person doing the forgiving. Yeah. Oh, it, it definitely is. And uh, I've thought that for a long time, you know, I, I can't say that I had forgiven him and I can't still say that I have forgiven him, but I don't think about it every day anymore. And, um, he's, he has sealed his fate. He's, he's on death row, you know, um, and it'll all be taken care of and it's all going to be good. But I, I can't really say that I care what happens to him. I remember in the, in the hearing, um, we had all written letters and I asked the judge or him, I guess, if he had gotten the letter that I wrote, because I told him what kind of person mother was, how forgiving she was, that she would have done anything for him and, and would have helped him if he had even asked her. Uh -huh. And I remember just saying to him, well, if you receive the letter, I have nothing more to say to you. I don't care what happens to you. Uh -huh. And that was not very forgiving, but anyway, that's how I feel. Still you, feel um, you mentioned the death penalty, and this is a question that we asked uh, Melanie on the last um, show, but I'd like to go around the room and just get all of you, and we'll start with you, Shirley, if you don't mind. I want to get your guys' opinion on the death penalty and whether it has changed. Um, I know this guy, he didn't get the death penalty for for um, your mom and your grandmother, right. but he's on death row. What are your guys' thoughts on the death penalty and if it has changed since you know, she was taken from you guys. And Shirley, we'll start with you. You know, I, I think the death penalty is okay. I think, uh, I think if it happens to him, it, it will probably affect me, but I don't know how. Um, I, I really don't know how, because will I be glad? No, I, I'm not glad to see something like that happen. But is it just? I feel like it is just. I, I, he's taken a couple of lives, and it, it's difficult. But all I can say is I'm grateful. I'm not the one that makes that choice. And whatever happens, so be it. He's 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 paying his time, and mm. I can't imagine that he's happy where he is. Sure. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and can we get your thought your thoughts on the same question, please? Well, I don't like the death penalty. I wouldn't have pushed for it, but I think that he needs to be um, penalized for what he's done. And I, I'm glad that he, I mean, I, I'm glad I didn't have to make that decision. And the fact is, is that I didn't have to make it. And he already had that, that penalized for him. But like I said, I, I would have pushed for him to be penalized put in prison for life or whatever, but I wouldn't have been a pusher of a death penalty. I just don't like, I, I'm just, I just not that kind of person, but I definitely agree. He needs to be punished. Um, and I'm, I'm not sorry that he has the death penalty because he did do some terrible things to some terrible people. But if he, if I would have had to be the one making that decision, I wouldn't have, place that decision on him myself. All right. Thank you. Um, Aranda, same question, please. So like my mom and my sister, I was grateful that the choice wasn't on my shoulders, right? As to what the sentence would be, but you know, I'm a, I'm a therapist and a mother um, and a mother of many stepchildren as well. And um I have a son who's been in the system as a teenager. 
I have step children who've been in the system. Um, I'm in relationship right now with a beloved, wonderful man um, who is a convicted felon for a financial crime. And at the time I was married to someone whom I didn't know it at the time, but um, he had a criminal history, although it's unconvicted. <clears throat> and, you know, I, like Anne, um, I don't like the death penalty um, from the perspective of another murder, right? It mimics the crime, but it's not a crime, right? It's a privilege and an honor to protect. And I think that we have an obligation and a duty to protect society from individuals who um, are clearly demonstrating that they don't have the capacity to live in alignment with the types of, of rules and mutual respect that keep us all safe and operating, you know, in a civilized way. So I'm one who seeks more of a compassionate accountability and I'll share a little bit what I think about that. Um, Please, it doesn't yeah. mean, it doesn't mean I believe he deserves compassion. Um, certainly not deserved, but I, I feel like compassion. I experience compassion and understanding as a human right, perhaps even a universal human need. So for me to look to him and try to understand the trauma that he went through that brought him to this place where he would be willing to do something so psychopathically violent, um, that part is important to me. And I'm okay with the death penalty. Somebody else um, penalized him for that, and I'm okay with that. And I, I can feel compassion for whatever brought him to that space and horror at what he did to my grandma and feel really compassionately okay that, that somebody, that a judge, you know, sentenced him to death. And I'm okay with that. Um, I just think that I've just learned, you know, energetically in my heart, um, the way that I relate to other people um, is important. And um, I want him in jail. I think he's in the right space. Um, I'm okay with him being murdered as well by society. Um, that's the law and I'm, I'm at peace with that. And at the same time, um, I think that, um, that the current options in our system are insufficient. Um, I would agree with you there. In moving forward, yeah. I, I would say that the whole system needs to be you know, revamped in a way that really deals with the trauma that occurs in early, early stages that brings a person to this type of psychopathic violence. It's horrifying. Right? It's, a, it's a living nightmare, and it's just what we're doing is not working. Okay. I, I'm, I'm so happy that you brought up compassion. Um, I, uh, it's such a key thing for, obviously, children and people in general, but children especially. Um, I, I, I interviewed somebody else who was a he was a convicted murderer and he was talking about his childhood and his parents uh, never showed him any compassion yes. or empathy his whole life. And it took him being in jail for eight years um, before his therapist is the first person that ever showed him any kind of compassion right. and empathy. And he's like, I never knew what that was like before. And as soon as he was shown that kind of uh, support and compassion, is like he said his violent tendencies kind of just started to melt away because he yeah. knew what it felt like doesn't forgive like you said doesn't forgive anything that happened but yes 
there's in society we can start making changes earlier by just being by showing compassion to people and children and yes you know and seeking to understand and i want to clarify one thing with my mother um because i honor and respect her i don't feel um i don't feel forgiving towards this man mm-hmm. but i feel compassionate and i know that there's something there right i know that there's trauma there and um you know he he's mimicking and remodeling what he what he saw done but i do want to say this with my mom um with regards to my mom, I really honor and respect her right to not forgive and not be forgiving. Um, the trauma that he put her through when she found my grandmother's body. Um, and I want to clarify that, and my sisters will vouch for this. My mother, our mother is the most compassionate person. She's hugely, deeply compassionate. She's a wonderful woman. She has a beautiful heart. Um, she got that from her mother. Um, but I love that my mom hasn't forgiven him and I hope she doesn't. And also, I I think I can safely say that you guys also got your heart from your mom as well. Yeah. You guys all seem like you, you're definitely from the same family. It's Mm -hmm. nice to see. (laughs) Um, One thing on that, just very briefly is my mother was a foster parent or a shelter parent the whole time we were moving up. So growing up, so my mother and father brought in children who were taken out of domestic violence situations and they would get called in the middle of the night with two children that had just been extricated from a home because of violence. And we would wake up in the morning and two little kids would be there that were now going to be our siblings for a few weeks. And we rolled through that over and over again. So mom really taught us a lot of compassion and for people who were in difficult situations. And I think for you. That's huge. That's huge. That's a big thing. Um, Thank you, Verona, for that. Um, Melanie, I, I remember you were, if I remember right, you were sort of against the death penalty, correct? Um, very much in alignment with my sisters. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I will say one thing. I recently found out <clears throat> three weeks ago, about three weeks ago, you can go online. He did file um, his final petition for state for his last and final petition um, for, you know, for what do they call it for stay or something. So I do know that that is, that it is arriving his, you know, um, the wow. date or whatever has not been set, but he did appeal and it is his final and last appeal. Um, wow. all the other appeals have been denied. And so this is his final appeal. This is not for parole. This is just for a stay of execution, right? That is right. Yes. Okay. And then I also know that Kara Willett, um, the, the wife that was present, at the time is up for um, parole or probation um, That's or, right. parole we talked or release. That. And she has set up a GoFundMe page. Oh, um, oh let's, uh, let's give the link. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, please, no. <laughs> no, we're not gonna, we're not going yeah, to. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Absolutely. Unless not. it goes to our family. Uh, Jana, just uh, just to wrap up this question here, um, just same thing. Just your thoughts on the death penalty uh, as it pertains to you. Um, I don't know that I'm either for nor against it. I um, I'm glad I mirror my sisters. Was not the one to have to make that decision because I don't know that I could put that on my hands. Um, I would, you know, probably lean more towards life in prison because I want them 
here to suffer as long as possible. I agree. Yeah. Um, I'm for that. (laughs) But I do not feel like his punishment is worse than his crime. And so I'm okay with that. I'm, I, I, you know, um, even at the sentencing, um, my echoing concerns when we had our final words were, I was just so concerned about his next generation, about the kids, his kids and what he had done to them and them being present at this murder and um, what that he had taken their lives from them, not just my grandmother's life from us, but that he took his children's life Uh from them in the raising. And so I was, um, I think that's always been more of my focus, um, you know, and so I think what, what would the death penalty to him do to them versus life in prison? And, um, you know, sometimes maybe the death penalty would be easier. Yeah. I, I feel the same way. I just had this conversation with somebody and, and I said, you know, sometimes I feel like that's the easy way out. Uh Like, you know, so you just get to die and go away from all of this. And, and I think that it depends on what does your day-to-day look like? What does your day-to-day life in prison look like? You know, because I know they get three meals a day. They have access to the internet. They have cell phones. They get to go to the gym. They get, you know, they get schooling. They get all of this. So, you know, in that case, they might be living better off than you and I. But yeah, that's, the, that's the struggle I've heard. Like my, my friend who, you know, his mom was killed. He's like, I don't like that this guy gets to like crack jokes with people. Yeah. He, he has friends. He gets to, and he gets to think about what he did over and over. He gets to relive it, whether he enjoys it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's arguments both ways. And I guess the answer is there's no, there's no perfect solution, obviously, right? It doesn't, mm-hmm. No one's going to be happy if he's dead. Okay. If he lives forever. Okay. There's pros and cons with both. So there's no perfect, yeah. no perfect punishment. Yeah. Um, I, I did have a question. Um, I think Melanie, you had, when we were speaking, you had said that at one point that one of your sisters thought that, um, it might've been an ex-boyfriend or an ex-husband. It was, me. um, it was, it was Rhonda. Oh, Rhonda. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't see who said that. <laughs> could you, could you, um, tell us a little bit about, about that? Yes, I could. (laughs) So, you know, the timeline um, is important here in what I'm going to share. You know, 91 is when grandma was killed. Um, And by the way, I do want to say for a long time, I couldn't use the word murder or killed without sort of judging myself as a drama queen, (laughs) right? I, I felt like it was dramatic. And I was oh, really uncomfortable. Mur- yeah. Murder is dramatic. It is. Yeah. It is. And, and that's the beauty mm-hmm. of it is, you know, once I, I processed it um, and realized that it, it, it wasn't me, it's that the word is taboo, right? Saying that grandma was died or was killed, it just doesn't reflect the level of, um, again, psychopathic violence that was there. It was a homicide. She was murdered. And so I just wanted to introduce that, that it's really important to me that we use that word. Um, so she was murdered in 1991. In 1995, my husband that I was married to at the time, um, committed a crime. Um, and it was a violent 
crime. Um, I guess it depends on how you look at violence, but it, it was moral turpitude. It was a crime of moral turpitude against a child. And I did not find out about it for two years. And when I found out about it, we went to counseling for three years. I, I strove to save the marriage and to bring about compassionate accountability. Um, and what I learned is, you know, without accountability, a person doesn't, they don't change. I mean, they're on that same path and they can't, they go down that same path that their choices have brought them to. So I divorced in 2000 and, um, was moving forward in my life. Um, but between 2000 and 2004, I experienced so much psychological violence from my ex-husband in the legal system with child support, um, trying to hide the crime that he had committed, right? Trying to punish me, to keep me silent, to keep me quiet, um, and coming against me um, and my boyfriend at the time um, with FBI investigations, police investigations, IRS audits. I mean, I've been you know, the recipient of his psychological piece. And so I was sitting there once um, watching TV and it was a crime show. And the, the victim had the pillow placed over their face. And I turned to Todd, my partner, um, who I've been with now for 20 years. And I said, oh, that's the way they found grandma. And he said, ah, oh. and he said, did they ever find out who that was? And I said, no. I said, you know, they, they're sure that it was somebody who knew her or was associated with her because she let him in and they covered her face so that they wouldn't feel bad about it once she died. And Todd said, wow, so they think that somebody actually knew her. I said, yeah, they, they were thinking it was somebody in the family or a friend or, and both of us at the same time went, <gasps> and we looked at each other and went, <gasps> and named my ex-husband. And it it's chills. the first yeah. time that it occurred to me, right? So this is 13 years after grandma was murdered. But it was five years, four or five years after I had divorced and 10 years after he had committed his crime that he was never held accountable for. And it just, it went through me like intuition and it wasn't right. It, it wasn't correct. I, I even ended up getting his fingerprints and, um, in a, in a legal, um, experience that we were having, I got one of the cups, sent it to the police. And once they got his fingerprints, he was cleared. And, and then I knew he wasn't. So, but in your bones, you knew in my it was bones, him for I a moment. It. In my bones, I at least was completely authentically open to the possibility that I had married and bore four children with a man who murdered my grandmother. Oh my God. Did you discuss, did any of the sisters, did you guys hear about this or, or. Oh, mom? I called Jana right off and Melanie and, and I believe I called you too. I called all my sisters for, am I crazy? Am I, is this valid? What, what were your guys thoughts when she called you? Let, um, let, let's start with uh, Jana. What was, when she called you and, and posed that, what, what was your thought? <laughs> well, I knew what, uh, he had done, you know, um, <laughs> and um i knew he wasn't a trustworthy person um you know but i i i just i didn't i don't know that i had a judgment i just remained to see what the detectives would say and i i i wasn't because i hadn't been deeply involved with him like Rhonda had but i also 
knew that he couldn't be trusted. I'd, I'd seen him in the years since and his hollow eyes and his, he's not a good man. Um, but, um, I, I just, I, I just felt like, okay, well, if you feel that way, let's, let's take it, let's take, you know, take it to the detectives and let's, let's find out, um, which we did Aranda and I, um, she lived near me at the time and the detectives came with pictures of the scenes and she and I were interviewed by them and, and given the, it was the first time we really, they showed us all of uh, the pictures taken that day. Uh and oh Oh, wow yeah um, i asked the detective at the time i said could he have gone from this crime to this crime is that an illogical leap and the detective said no it is not an illogical leap it it, it, that is something that we see and so then we just remained to see you know what came of that investigation um yeah wow that's heavy yeah was he aware, your ex-husband, Rhonda, was he aware that he was under suspicion for this or? So he was not aware that he was un- under suspicion until um, a, a, a friend that I had confided in very confidentially, right? And asked for confidentiality, um, actually shared it uh, with another individual. And so it got to, um, it, it, became knowledge that I um, suspected him actually in the legal um, court hearing that I was going through. So he did know, right? He did know at that point in time. And he was furious, furious. From what you say, he doesn't sound like the kind of guy that would understand that or take it very well. No, he did not take it well. And and it was interesting because for a time it... um, you know, it, it shed question on my reliability in court because, you know, I suspected that he might be the one that killed my grandmother. That turned out not to be true, but I know for a fact that he committed the other crime that he's not been convicted of. And so it put me in this strange space and I think gave him some good ammo for a while. <laughs> right. Yeah. Wow. Well, we appreciate you guys doing this so much. This is I know this is not easy for you guys to talk about even all these years later. I know it, I'm sure brings up some emotions that are just, you know, things get better. I'm sure over time, but it still is never easy to talk about. We appreciate it very much. Yeah. I I find this really healing though in, um, in the space of all of my sisters and my mother. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure we talk one-on-one about these things, but together like this, this is unique especially just to keep her memory alive and talk about the good times, you know, yep. she sounds like she's just the coolest grandma. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you guys have a good bloodline and uh, you guys are very, very close. I'm curious if, um, if, if, if you guys feel like this horrible event did in a weird way, bring you closer as a family. Um, um, have you guys found that to be the case at all? I, I could address that. Please. At least a little, a portion of that. It uh, it's been really hard with our extended family. My uncle's boy had some problems and and could get pretty violent or or mean or you know. I saw him whip his brother one time with a a big whip and and just little things like that. And and the week before mother died, 
she said that she was um, tired of of how how some of the handouts that she had to had to give willingly, but it made me think about him when she died, and in my mind, I had to have something that made sense. Nothing made sense with this. There was just it it she wasn't the kind of person anyone would hold any animosity towards. And um, I really and truly myself believed it could have been a relative. Right. Right. Yeah. We spoke about that in, when we spoke with Melanie and um, yeah. And, and it sounded like she was, was helping him out quite a bit financially. Well, she did help him and, and, and he needed it and I would have helped him too. Um, Oh, what was it? He did call me after mother died. And I hear the conversation in my mind. He said, Shirley, I'm not calling to say I'm sorry. But I'm calling to say that there are things in that home that belong to me. And I want to be there when you clean it out. Those are his exact words. Never forgotten. them. And that That's just rough. fell through me. Yeah. Because I thought, wait a second. And consequently, our family became divided, not verbally or anything, but just we had one side of the family and another side of the family. This couldn't have been and this had to have been. And so when it was resolved, it was wonderful. Mm -hmm. But there's so many guilt feelings and times where we should have been there for one another and weren't. And um, I, I just regret that but on the other hand how do you know when you've been through something so horrible everyone yeah. everyone uh, handles these things differently, differently and yeah. some people can turn the page within weeks some people they'll they'll never be okay um it's important not to like try not to criticize people for how they handle stuff mm -hmm. but sometimes it does hurt you as well but especially in that moment so like dealing with something like this like this is you know everybody grieves differently but this in itself is, you know, when you're talking about murder, it's just something so different. It's not a natural death, you know? That's so I true. think, you know, you can't, you know, you can't really judge anybody for the way that they go about those things. Cause that's hard. And everybody is so different. Everybody navigates the ocean of trauma differently. Yeah. You know, and I regret with what we've been through that it hasn't really been talked about or resolved the feelings that we had on either side uh -huh. and, and we're distant and it's, it's unfortunate because mother would have never wanted it that way. She well, was the one that brought the family together. It's never too late to try. If you guys yeah. feel like you might want and that to, is you know, true. that is true. Yep. Um, you know, May I say one thing about Please. sisters yeah. and my mom and dad. So Rhonda here, and um, you asked about, did it bring us closer um, by my observation? Um, and I, I shared a little bit about our upbringing, but you know, we we were very close as young children, and we were raised in what I can say as from the perspective of a professional in a, a very safe, overall very safe and peaceful home. Right? We had trauma that was going on in the family, but uh, that didn't sort of flush itself out until later um, with an extended family member. However, we were. You know, that, that that safe and peaceful, beautiful space, 
um, resulted in raising four quite innocent and ignorant and deeply loving young women, right? And my brother as well. Um, but this was a really rude awakening. Um, it, it sort of slapped me out of my innocence and my ignorance. And I know that it did the same for my sisters, my brother, my, my mom, my dad. And I would say that it has brought us closer because it um, sort of opened our eyes, right, to the possibilities of what's out there, to psychopathy, to the things that we didn't experience when we were younger in a very safe and protected home. And I would say because of that, we're more authentic, we're more available, there's a deeper level of intimacy between all of us. And the love uh, for our mother and her grief, I was so profound. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I just can't even, I know that the girls and my brother would agree, but our mother suffered so horribly. Yes. And the love that came through everyone, um, I think definitely bound us and brought us closer. Beautiful. I'm grateful that you guys have each other. Yeah. And you can yeah. see, you can see the love. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty tangible. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. Well, I, I know you guys need to run, but I, I mean, like, like Gina said, yeah. I can't thank you enough for giving us your time. And, uh, uh I'm happy we got the, the tech side of it worked out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. No, no don't be sorry. It's fine. Um, but good luck to you all. To you all. And uh, again, really appreciate your time very much. Yes. Thank you so much for this. I want to say one thing. Please. Yes. Um, my uh, Rhonda talked about my mom's suffering and I was the one who lived in the home. And so, um, you know, it was months and months and months. Um and she, she did, uh, so I had a very different, you know, uh, end of high school and first years. Um, and then my sisters did about my grandma's there and support, but I had uh, firsthand really watching my mother and, um, the struggles and the depression and the deep, deep grief. And I recall, um, she, the stress was so great that she lost, um, like dollar size chunks of her hair where the skull, the, the scalp would be, um, completely not even shaved. It was completely bald. And if you lifted yeah. her hair, um, and I mean, so it was, it was psychological trauma. It was physical trauma. It was, um, spiritual. Even. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it huge it and the, her, um, her recovery kind of coming back to us, um, you know, she was very, um, rightfully so I, 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 you know, I think, uh, Melanie and I especially can attest to some very deep grief that we've both experienced. And it was a long time coming out of that fog for good reason of the grief, um, years and years. And she was still always there for us. Um, but I know from my own grief experience, how hard that would have been. Cause she's, you know, she was about my age, um, when this happened, um, and she, she really was still there for us. Um, and I can't imagine the hollowness, um, she must've felt in doing that. Um, she had the love, but I know, um, I, I know that, you know, you, you would feel her spirit come back. That's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's hard to have to go through all that and still be a mother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
still be present. You know, right. that's. You still have your obligations, no matter yeah. how hard you're hurting, you still have your obligations. Yeah. And PTSD yep. is oh. a real. Oh, for all of us. That denies, denies us all. Right. And that's one of the big harms in this type of violent crime is how many people are, you know, denied of a normal lifetime until they can process all of that. And even, even for years, it changes you forever. It changed me forever. I know it changed my mother forever. Has everyone done therapy? Has that, has that been a part of everyone's life? I've done tons of it. <laughs> now I do it, but I, yeah. especially in relationship to my, the, the trauma I experienced with my ex-husband, but I, sure. I yeah. went through many, many years of therapy and have come out on the other side and I'm a therapist now, but, um, I, I really wanted to attest to, uh, you know, again, shoot out compassionate accountability or com compassion and understanding, um, of the grief process and what it takes to recover and actually be in your body again yep. Yeah, and yep. feeling your feelings and having permission to be authentic and feel what you feel and say what you say and I'm back. sure you're just numb for so long. Yes. And then you just get used to feeling that and that becomes your norm, you know? Yeah, that's, that's just you now. Yep. Yeah. I think that's the risk. Yeah. Yep. That's the risk. Yeah. Well, uh, Anne, Rhonda, Melanie, Jenna, and Shirley, thank you guys thank so, you so very much, much for your time and for kind of opening the wound again. Um, it's inspiring to us to see you guys as a family. So thank you for that. And uh, yeah, just thank you for giving us your time very yeah, much. We appreciate it. Thank keep you do, so keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. yeah you guys are doing a you great job. You guys are doing a great job. Seriously. <laughs> and pass along those genes to everybody that yeah. you can. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> We've done plenty of that. People. <laughs> the, good. the world needs more people like you guys, for sure. Well, take care, guys. Thank you, thank both you. so much. Okay, Thank bye. you so much. Bye-bye. Bye, ladies. This is Lola, and I'm here to tell the world to stop being such pussies and listen to Rare Forum Radio.